Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to the Tell Meets Live podcast. I apologize for our large, long absence, but we're back and uh, feeling great. Uh, with me today are my good friends Andrew and Artem. Andrew, how are you? How are you enjoying yourself this fine week? I'm not doing too bad. You know, sports are dumb, and I hate them. But other than that, I'm doing pretty. So everything that we love in life is just terrible. But you know, life's all right. Yeah, you know, sports are terrible, but life in general is mediocre at best. And on the other line, Artem. How's everything going, Artem? Congrats on your new child, by the way. Thanks. Still got about, you know, seven or eight months until uh, the child is new, but it's on the way. The The bun is in the oven. Hey, man, that's the first part of the process. You got to be ready. You got to be ready for that. That's the first step in, in getting things going. Anyway, I want to start us off with a simple question. Uh, a lot of people up here in North Carolina are giving Mac Brown some flack. He's getting the Mac attack here for uh, that play call, going for the two point conversion to win the game against Clemson. I mean, a lot of people are giving him flack in general for just deciding to go for two, but at, at the same time, I think a lot more people are giving him flack for the play call. Which, Andrew, I, I think it's a play that you're pretty familiar with, so you kind of know how that goes. So I guess I just want to start off with a question. Uh, what If y'all are going for it for two to win a f- football game, what kind of play would you go with? And so, Andrew, I'll start with you. And I know you're going to say it depends on what the defense is showing, but just <laughs> general idea, what are you going to go with? I actually like North Carolina going for it. I don't. I don't have a problem with you know. You're you're an underdog massively to the number one team in the country. You just scored. Go for it. Like I have no problem. The biggest problem to me is they ran triple option. That's. I mean, that's the play they ran. You go back and watch, and they ran triple, and he read it right. To me, looking at the play. The way they run triple, it's not one of those where you get a count and you run it to the the side where you have a numbers advantage. They didn't have a numbers advantage, and they ran it to a really, really good defensive end for Clemson, who was pretty much able to play the dive and the keep. You know, I mean, that's really what happened. But in terms of a play, my favorite is you basically you go a, a three-by-one formation. And you put the ball on the left, you know, three by one, three receivers to the field. And you run kind of a sprint out, three to the flat, kind of give the quarterback the option to run pass. And then, you know, maybe be a spot route where one runs a – two runs a corner. And you kind of – I mean, your, your real read is do you throw the flat or do you run it in? And so basically you're putting it on the quarterback to make the play. See, I was actually going to go with the opposite. So it's interesting that you draw that up. I think if anybody's interested in that, look at the uh, Boise State season, the season where they played Oklahoma. So in that game, they ran a play that was the opposite of that, where they ran up with uh, three wide receivers on one side of the field. But because of all the plays they had done previously in the season, where they had gone for two and done exactly what Andrew is describing, essentially – put all the wide receivers on that side of the field and flood it so the defenders have to kind of fall into an assignment and gives the quarterback an option to run or find an open receiver. 
Uh, instead, they handed the they did a sneak attack and kind of handed the ball off to the running back and let him go to the other side, which was that's kind of like what I would do personally. I love the idea of just what personally I like running the ball, and I think if you line up uh, everybody on one side of the field, assuming the defense isn't in the zone. Uh, and you give your running back a chance to run for three yards against like a one-on-one man situation, I think that's a great style to kind of go up for. But, yeah, I totally get what you're saying. Obviously, I think Peterson really agrees with that kind of strategy, Andrew. Um, Artem, sorry for kind of dragging on there. Uh, What what are your thoughts? Uh, What play would you go for, and what do you feel about Mac Brown's strategy? You know, it, it all kind of depends on the game flow. I, I'm never probably – I would never have done what he did to kind of, while playing at home, put the game on the on the one play, essentially. Um, I know they kind of had Clemson on their toes, but they're better off taking Clemson to overtime than doing that play. Having said that, if I did have to go with the play, I would run Spider 2 wide banana throughout the season heavily. To, to where and do it to a point of mismatch. And I would run out of the formation, just uh, do a, a zone run uh, with a running back several times and then throw Spider 2 at Banana in there for the for the passing play. And then when I really, really needed a two-point conversion, I would fake Spider 2 at Banana and instead have the quarterback roll out to his left and just walk in the end zone. Um, I remember... Uh, Peyton's Manning's last season they ran that play against the Cowboys and the Cowboys just didn't know what to do because in their right minds they would have never imagined Peyton Manning running the ball into the end zone to the other side which is why he was wide open so I I would run that and then kind of do the the quarterback run when I really needed that two point play Uh, for those unfamiliar can you give a brief description of what Spider 2 wide banana is you essentially have your five linemen, you have a tight end attached on the right side, you have a, a running back uh, and a fullback in the backfield, and then your two wide receivers usually to your left side. Um, but there's there's different variations of, of that play as well to where as it's essentially you've got crossing routes in the end zone, and then your running back is blocking um, while your fullback and your tight end roll out to the same side, to the side that they're on for a pass. So it's a, it's a play-action play where you're showing run, heavy run, um, to one of the sides, and then you do play-action out of that. Okay. I can see that being very powerful if you could. I, I'm kind of surprised, as you said, to see Peyton Manning running it, but I would I can totally understand how that would catch some people off guard, especially if you've got a pocket-passing quarterback. Yeah, it also, if you like, if you have a quarterback like North Carolina, it allows them to, A, move the pocket, and at the same time, if the pass is not there, the quarterback, even on the play action, the quarterback with some speed has a chance to run it in. Um, or if the coverage comes in on him to tackle him, he can throw it over the coverage to a wide-open guy. It's, it's an interesting strategy. I definitely like that. I mean, obviously all this is just plays on contingencies here, uh, because you never know what the defense is running, and obviously with a great defense like Clemson, your chances of success are even lower. But it's it's a fun little project to think about. I we've all played a lot of NCAA football uh, on the uh, Xbox or PlayStation or whatever, and it's just fun to think about some of these little projects. So yeah, well I mean regardless, 
Didn't work out for UNC. It was one of the more exciting games of the year, but uh, sadly that uh, it did not pan out uh, as they had hoped. Clemson was able to hang on. I guess in one sense that's terrible for UNC. In another sense, I think it's probably a pretty good thing for the ACC uh, and the media coverage because if you lose Clemson, then the whole uh, the rest of the football season is pretty dire for the ACC network. I don't know uh, how y'all feel about that as far as media coverage. Uh, Artem, as a SEC fan, I mean, do you feel like that would kind of break the ACC this year? No, absolutely not. I think Clemson is going to be a team that's competing for a long time due to the depth of talent they have. It's, you know, unless you're Texas, it's really hard to screw up that talent base no matter what coach you have coming in. You're going to pay them a lot of money, and they're going to try to do a decent job and compete, even if, you know, Dabo leaves for Alabama, whatever, loses his job. But honestly, if North Carolina beat Clemson, I think then you would have two teams to look forward to because you're like, dang, North Carolina might be quote-unquote back. Um, and as a fan, as a as a as a network, you now have okay. We can now kind of throw around. We don't have to just give prime time to Clemson. We can also give some prime time to North Carolina fans. Now you're, you know, showing the South Carolina and North Carolina fan bases some love, and that's that's kind of where it starts. And then somebody beats North Carolina as you're hyping them up, and now you have another team you can kind of partake in. So it's it's almost like a domino effect in that case. I would say the opposite is true because. I think there's some still some hype with North Carolina, but if if Clemson had beaten them heavily, you know nobody would be like, oh wait, can't wait for Carolina to, North Carolina to play Clemson again. But now next year when they play each other, I assume they play each other every season. I'm not sure if they're in the same division, but that can be a game to look forward to for both fan bases and kind of hype up that game as part of the ACC network. Yeah, they're not in the same division, but I do get where you're coming from. It does make it a lot more exciting. I mean, we're obviously – but, I mean, it does it does kind of beg the question when you see teams like that. We saw what happened with FSU after they've lost pretty consistently. They've kind of gotten dragged down. But assuming Clemson comes back and UNC continues to perform, I do, I do see where you're coming from. Uh, Andrew, do you kind of agree with those statements as far as uh, Clemson losing its uh, continuing – the ACC being more impactful if Clemson loses that game? Uh, the thing to me is I think we get lost at the inertia of programs. You know, we're looking at an undefeated Wake Forest program that's ranked 23rd and no one cares about. Okay. So you're really saying that even though both Clemson and Wake are undefeated, Clemson gets to be number two because of what they did last year and the year before and the year before and the year before. So I think you get some level of teams that win a lot are given the benefit of the doubt more often than teams that don't. So it's kind of like if if we were talking about a Florida State team that had a close loss to Clemson or Miami team or, or even a Virginia Tech team, it might be that big of a deal. But because we're talking about a team like North Carolina that doesn't really have a lot of pull in in the football world, I mean, I think I think the best thing for the ACC is Clemson to win out and play for national title again because they get the benefit of the doubt because of what they've done and other programs that have that fancy name on their jersey get the benefit of the doubt more so than a team that maybe hasn't had as good of the past couple of years or isn't necessarily the 
I don't want to use the term blue blood because that's a very contentious term as to how you define it. But, you know, you even look at like a four and one Texas. That, I mean, have they really beaten anyone? No. Okay. So why, why are they ranked so high? Because it says Texas on the front of the jersey. So there's kind of an ontological inertia where it's like they've been around for so long that the name itself carries weight. Uh, even though, And that's not the case for teams like uh, UNC or Wake or uh, Virginia. Virginia is another good example. Yeah, yeah you, I mean, Virginia, you know, their only loss is to a, a top-ten Notre Dame team. Yeah. So, you know, this just don't carry. I mean – before we move on to the rest of the topics, because I'm really trying to push off talking about Georgia Tech for as long as possible. Artem, do you, <laughs> do you have, really have to talk about Georgia Tech? I mean, don't have to. But, Artem, do you have any rebuttals or any thoughts on that that you want to talk about? Uh, I guess one, right? If you look at Texas A&M playing Clemson, I know they're not both in the ACC, but that game was close last season. And even though we probably shouldn't have a chance this year, there was still a lot of hype around the game because it was a two-point game last season. So I just expect media, kind of to Andrew's point, I guess, to, to hype up the situation regardless. So I think that that'll be a – regardless of where Clemson and North Carolina are, that'll be a big game next season. I mean, I certainly think on a week-to-week basis you're right as far as the hype train goes. I mean, people get excited when a big upset happens. But I just don't know that those things kind of carry throughout the season. But I, I get where you're coming from, especially for a team that just – not only just lost to Clemson, or but they just lost to App State as well. That's kind of a tough one to pull uh, when you lose to a, I think a lot of people would consider a lower tier team like App State. Uh, but yeah, no. Uh, I mean, you look at it. I mean, what is what has Michigan done? They blew out a bad Middle Tennessee State team. They blew out a bad Rutgers team. They barely beat what we consider a decent Army team and got blown out by Wisconsin. But they're nineteenth in the country. They haven't beat anybody worth a damn. So why are they 19th versus any other 3 and one team? It's because it says Michigan on the shirt. Oh, why Why is UCF ranked 15th? I don't, it's because they've... Again, because UCF's built up multiple seasons of goodwill. Yeah, I mean, they went out of their way. Well, I think it also makes a factor that... And this is something that isn't talked about as much. The media is what you make it. And when you've got a team that's willing to go out and, like, make themselves a big statement or make those arguments where it's like, well, we were undefeated and blah, 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 so we deserve to be the top. You just don't see that at, at teams like uh, UNC or Georgia Tech or Syracuse because, I mean, the fact of the matter is you don't have the same kind of fan base and you don't have the same kind of uh, tradition there. It's just not as intense, at least not in the football world. UNC obviously has a big basketball following, and that's a whole other side of the coin. So, I <laughs> it's in, it's interesting to see how these kind of the tides turn so quickly, though. Oh. All right, well, Andrew, um, the moment you dread has come. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, why Georgia Tech is so bad? I mean, the, off- the offensive line is an insult to traffic cones. <laughs> Uh, obviously we lost to the Citadel. That was probably the roughest one we've had lost to Clemson and we lost to, uh, Temple. Uh, I mean, the Citadel loss is just embarrassing on multiple levels, but you could say, Hey, at least it's close. 
Temple was a blowout. Clemson was a blowout. I'm still trying to figure out how we beat USF. I feel like they kind of we gave, shouldn't have. They gave us that game. So yeah, uh, rough straights. We got injuries coming out the wazoo, especially on O line, and we just lost Jalen Camp as a wide receiver. Uh, we can't make a decision at quarterback. I mean, I could go on. I'm gonna let you talk. You you sum up. You give me something to work with here. What what are your thoughts? What's what's ailing us right now at Georgia Tech? The Citadel loss is inexcusable. There shouldn't be any universe where you lose to an FCS team, a winless FCS team at the time you played them. You can you can sit here and talk about oh, there's a transition offensively, there's a transition here, you know, da 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 da. But okay, that's fine. That could explain a loss to Temple. I'll accept Temple's an okay team. USF's a bit of a dumpster fire, and for all intents and purposes, you should have lost that game. But losing to the Citadel is unacceptable. It's the first time Georgia Tech's lost to an FCS program since 1983. Seriously? You know, we all knew we were in for a rebuild. We all knew it was going to be a rough season. I think Bill Connolly set the over-under at three and a half, four. But the bigger thing to me is the Citadel's not a game that you should lose, and the team doesn't look like they're getting any better especially offensively. The offensive line still struggles at slipping to the second level. The tackles are, you'd call them traffic cones, but traffic cones at least do their job or try to do their job. They stand there as cones and be like, hey, don't go here. Um, There's some talent there. I like the running backs. I think there's a decent amount of talent there. I think after watching the Temple game, we're probably going to stick to James Graham just because, I mean, fuck it, why not? And I've been really impressed by the defense, to be completely honest with you. I think they've played really well. We still struggle on the front four, where we don't have a lot of guys that can beat blocks. But, you know, defensive linemen are tough to find. So I'm hoping somewhere that, you know, Jeff Collins comes in being known as this great recruiter that maybe he can bring in some better defensive linemen. So we kind of wrote this year off anyway. My bigger concern is the Georgia Tech fan base isn't a fan base that really handles extended periods of losing very very well and given that next year's season is significantly harder than this year we add florida state we add notre dame we add ucf and next year may be one of those fun seasons where you're a better team but you don't win more games because the schedule is so tough and georgia tech say we find lightning in a bottle and go three and nine this year if we go three and nine this year and five and seven next year you're gonna have a tough sell putting butts in seats well, it's a scary prospect con- considering we just brought this guy on to kind of revamp everything and make it a better situation and excite the fans and excite the recruits. It's it's kind of an intimidating thing to stare down. I do think we'll get better, uh, but I think I've said this on the group meet multiple times. I have no idea when that'll happen because uh, we look... I, I'm one of those guys where I always feel like outside of extenuating circumstance, you should always give a head coach five years. Because it gives them time to get in four full recruiting classes. And I'm going to stand by that. But you also have to see a team get better. You have to see growth. And through four games, you haven't really seen that yet with Georgia Tech. So it'll be interesting to see how the season continues to go. But, you know, I'm, I'm not off the Jeff Collins bandwagon. But I'm a little leery. More leery than I was to start the season. 
Well, and I think all of this would have flipped if we had beat Citadel, but I think a lot of people were worn out like we couldn't even move the ball against Citadel. Our defense actually did not bad, or it's not great, but not bad. Uh, but, you know, if you're out there all game long, eventually you're going to get worn down. But we couldn't move the ball against Citadel. That's that's a rough take. I mean, I, I've heard Tommy, I know, is not on the cast right now, but he's uh, trashing all over our offensive coordinator, and I have a hard time saying anything against it because, like, yeah, it, it, it looks really bad. I haven't seen anything to give me any confidence in our offense. The well, def- I, I, went, I went back and watched the Temple game today, and – I feel there's a lot that you can do when your offensive line isn't very good, which is something that Georgia Tech has shown is that our offensive line is not very good. There's a lot of quick throws, sprint outs, waggles, move the pocket to try to alleviate having a bad offensive line. And sometimes I think we get away from that. We try to throw vertically too much. But, you know, there's there's a reason Dave Patton is coaching and I'm sitting in my office in Nashville. <laughs> Well, that is the one thing that bugs me is that it seems like the way Jeff Collins talks is he's obsessed with throwing the ball. And I'm like, I get it, but maybe just cool your jets a little bit because none of our guys are particularly great at that, and you know it. So maybe draw up some plays that they can do. And, I mean, he kind of has, but he also seems really dependent on trying to kill the kill the idea of what we've been running the past few years, and I'm just like, okay. If it, wor- well, if it, if it works, it's one thing. If it, if it doesn't, though, you, you kind of got to scratch your head a bit. That's kind of my weird conspiracy theory, is that the AD has come down so heavily about we want to get as far away from Paul Johnson as we can, and, and that's impacting some of the play calling and some of what we're doing. I have nothing to back that up. That is 100% my tinfoil hat conspiracy. I mean, I'd believe it. But uh, anyway, um, I think that's – we could rant all day. I'm going to cut it short and just turn over over to Artem and hopefully get us into some greener pastures. Artem, I mean, Texas A&M, as far as you're being your team, has had a pretty good start to the year. Obviously, a couple of tough losses – uh, Clemson and Auburn, but those were top-ranked teams, and sometimes that stuff happens. Uh, what are your thoughts on the team going forward? Is this about where you expected them to be at this point in the season? We had talked about them being like a 9-3 team, so I guess they're kind of meeting expectations? I think they're a little bit behind expectation. Some of that has to do with there were probably foreseen consequences from getting a new offensive line coordinator. Um fans specifically complained about play calling up until the last game, but you know, in retrospect, you look back and if if you're if you're Jimbo, you're sitting back and looking at the games that were lost um, to Clemson and Auburn so far. Both those games probably were decided in three plays. So you look back at, on a team like that and say, okay, how do I get those three plays back so I can win those games? Um, Auburn, we gave up two big plays that ended up going for touchdowns. Um, take those two away, we beat Auburn. Um, there were two kicks that were missed. We had a, a fumble. So any of those, any 
any of those five, or I think there's a couple other ones too, but if you pick three plays that could have completely changed the game, we would have won that game. That quarterback didn't beat us. Honestly, our team, who had supposedly practiced protecting jet sweeps all uh, all week, couldn't protect the jet sweep the first time they ran it, and they ran it for a touchdown. So I think there's a lot of hope, and I think that's what Jimbo is seeing. He's like, all right, these are all correctable things. These are things we can we can uh, train, we can practice. Um, and from that perspective, I think we're a little bit ahead because the fan base was more worried about, do we have the right personnel? We lost two tight ends that both came in last year and were great for us. Um, and then a bunch off of our defensive front seven. And the most we've given up this year is 28 points, which is great. If you look back at the Sumlin era, we were given up, you know, in the 40s, 50s. So, the defense is only going to get better. I think the play calling last game showed um, that they're willing to change. One of the players got benched, uh, put a freshman in. Freshman got third touchdown in three games. So I think there's a lot of hope because there's a lot of change happening. And at the same time, if you look at uh, probably shouldn't be playing Arkansas that close, but you know how those rivalry games can be. It you know one one play sets it off. You got both fan bases there in a neutral side game. And the players kind of turned. So it was, it was good from a more positive perspective to watch our team fall behind and then go back and get the lead back and then cement the lead and then get a defensive stop to end the game. Um, also, we figured out how to defend the tight end seam. So that's always good to see. That only took like four years. So hopefully we just keep doing that and uh, we'll have a good season. I think um, – I think there's still some losses coming up, but I do have hope that if we keep improving at the rate we're at now, um, I think we can either beat Georgia or LSU on the road. Um, some of that will have to do with how many injuries they have at that point in time, and hopefully we have none. Um, but, but I think we do have a chance of beating one of those teams. I mean, Please beat Georgia. I would love it if you beat Georgia. But I, I, I do want to point out, all your losses have been to Tiger-based teams. So... Chances are that uh, maybe you'll lose to LSU, but you can probably beat Bama and Georgia because neither of them have any Tiger-based mascots that I'm aware of. So I know LSU looks deadly right now, but they're also kind of beating their defense up. It's the, the two-sided thing where when we had Kevin Sumlin and we were putting up quite a bit of points, especially with Johnny Football, um, we were also giving up a lot of points on defense because you score in you know whatever four or five plays um, that took you a minute, but then your defense can be out out there for nine minutes uh, while the other team is driving. So I think LSU is very beatable this year, even though they're high powered on offense. If the defense is repaired, um, you can take care of them pretty quickly and keep the ball away. And uh, I do want to ask because I heard about this while listening to the Auburn game on the radio. I wasn't able to catch all of it. But I caught the back end, and some of the – maybe this was just talk, but some of the uh, radio reporters were talking, like, about how they didn't feel Kellen Mond was giving was being given the best opportunities to take advantage of the offense. They felt like the offense had just kind of ramped up at the end of the game to take advantage of the skill set that Kellen Mond had. And I don't know that I agree with that. I feel like he was just kind of put into a pressure situation – that he had to do something in to kind of get results. Otherwise, they would have just flat-out lost the game. But I wanted to get your perspective because you've obviously seen the offense more, and I do think Kellen Mond is a good player. So what are your thoughts? I think he's drastically improved from his freshman season when he was kind of thrown in. Um, when uh, Nick Sarko went down during the first game of the year with Kevin Sumlin still here, that was his freshman season. And last year was 
second season, and we all kind of saw the improvement, especially in the clutch plays he made during that LSU game, seven overtimes. But this season, it, it it's easy to blame the quarterback, I'll say that. I think statistically he's drastically improved, and he's not making as many mistakes as he was in the two years before that. He's making a lot less mistakes. His touchdown-to-interception ratio is a lot better. Um, but I think the, the biggest problem is he still is making mistakes and he can make them at critical times that can put us behind. So he does have one more step, I think, that he can take forward in the sense that, kind of like I talked about, the three plays, um, at least one of those three plays in each game was Kellen, Kellen Mond-based. And if it was uh, an incomplete pass, if he threw the ball away and we punted, it would have been a better turnout. We would have made the team drive the field um, instead of like throwing an interception, or uh, I think one of the times he threw an interception in the end zone against Clemson. So if he throws that away, we at least kick a field goal. We get three points. Now we're down, you know, seven. And the next we drove the next time and scored seven points. So the games would be a little bit more winnable. Right now, he's he's lessened his um, his turnovers that he's making, but he's still making them at some sometimes critical points in the game, especially when. If you don't make that mistake, we could put the game away. And that's kind of what we saw against Arkansas. Um, well, and well, and to your point, I think you also made a good point. I don't know what the deal is with the defense. I was seeing – it was very strange. It'd be like they were very disciplined on like three out of – or three out of four plays or like nine out of ten plays. And then all of a sudden they'd give up like a explosive like 90-yard pass or like uh, – in the Arkansas game, it was the killer passes, the deep passes downfield. And then in the Auburn game, it was like the weird jet sweep kind of run situations where they would just run all over you. I don't really know what the deal is with the defense, though. I don't know if that's... It's a lot, a- of, young, it's a lot of young guys playing real early, and they're just too hyped up being starting games, essentially. But I do see a lot of change occurring. So we're rotating a lot of guys, and we're starting to play guys who are more consistent slowly. So I think I think that's coming, and that's what the fan base is looking forward to over the next couple of weeks. Is hey, the guys that are making consistent progress and making good plays, like the true freshman uh, Anaya Smith. Uh, he's what like six feet, slug, big slot guy, real quick. First play, he was in touchdown on I think all three games. Um, so and, and he's only playing like ten percent of the snaps, but you're seeing him get get more more of those opportunities now. So I think as we see that at different positions, um, we'll have the the more consistency and less of those big plays. Well, that'll be good to see. Uh, so I guess moving forward, uh, we're going to get to our predictions just in just a second. But first, I want to ask. Uh, if y'all have any other teams you want to highlight, I want to start off and say congratulations to SMU. They've gotten off to a great start of the season. Granted, most of their games have been pretty easy, but they won a big rivalry game against TCU, um, and they're off to their first 5-0 and season in a while, and I don't know how long it's been since they were ranked. Uh, now, Andrew, if you want to touch on it, I'll let you, but I'm going to be honest, I haven't watched a lot of SMU games. I just know, I mean, the old story about uh, the death penalty and them coming back and forth and them kind of bouncing around. But it's good to see them doing really well to start off the season. It's always promising when your program does really well. Um, I mean, Andrew, if you want to touch on that, you can. Uh, otherwise, I'll let you talk about whatever team you want to highlight. I 
was gonna say, yeah, I have to imagine this is probably the first time they've been ranked since the late '80s, and the the pony excess time period and all of the sanctions and the death penalty and all those issues. I really like their offensive coordinator, Rhett Lashley, who's a Gus Malzahn guy, played for Gus, coached with Gus. And it's been interesting to see as he's come in how he's adapted. The, the head coach is a guy named Sonny Dykes, who's an old-school air raid coach. So it's been kind of fun to see how he's really worked to adapt a lot of Malzahn's old wing tee kind of run game work with some of the air raids so it's been really kind of fun and and i think lashley's definitely a, an offensive coordinator on the rise that we probably should keep our eyes on uh the team that's really surprised me is auburn you know we always talk about we don't know which auburn we're gonna get and so since gus has been calling the plays we've definitely gotten the good auburn that we saw with cam newton or with nick marshall and we've seen it with Bone Hicks. So that's kind of my shout. It is, is Auburn to me has really surprised me. They've been a lot better than I expected them to be. You know, obviously they got a huge game this weekend, but that's really my shout out is Gus is, has very much kind of saved his job to an extent. It, it hurts me to hear you say that. All right. I know. You know, you know I have the, the strange love of the offense at Auburn. Okay. Artem, do you have a team that you would like to highlight? Well, shoot, Wisconsin's sure looking good. I hope they uh, kind of live up to their expectation for the rest of the season. Yeah, they are. I mean, maybe they'll be... uh, It'd be a disappointment if they got to the championship game for the Big Ten and then freaking lost again. Like that, uh, a couple seasons ago, they got blown out by Ohio State 35-0. Although now that looks more and more likely as Ohio State is uh, beating the crap out of Nebraska. They play Ohio State in the regular season, so it'd just be rough if they lost that game and then lost in the championship. That'd be even worse. Yes, it would. <laughs> you never but know. Jonathan, Taylor, Jonathan Taylor's looking good on that team. I'm pretty excited. If if anybody should win the Heisman, it should be that kid because he's lights out and doing everything for him. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I've heard good things about this Jalen Hurts guy at Oklahoma, and uh, I think there's a <laughs> – I think there's a few other guys out there. Uh, Can Oklahoma play defense this year? I mean, if they don't, that just gives Jalen Hurts more opportunities to throw touchdowns. Yeah, (laughs) let's be honest. Jalen Hurts didn't miraculously improve in accuracy and how well he plays quarterback. He's just playing in a shitty defense league that's making him look good. Oklahoma defense giving up 14, 14, and 16. Who have they played? Uh, Texas Tech I'll give credit to. They're decent. You Have you watched year. Texas Tech this season? Were they not your normal Texas Tech? No, dude. Remember they have a new coach, the BYU guy, uh, so it's no longer Matt Wells, yeah. Yeah, they're they're I barely was... staying in games, but it's it's the same strategy Jimbo used uh, for his first season at AM. Keep the ball away by running the clock uh, while you're not going to get the defense tired. So they're not scoring yeah. a lot of points. We get the Red River shootout. A week from Saturday, so that'll kind of tell us a lot about Oklahoma. Yep. I think so too. All right. I, I love I loved their defensive coordinator hire. I'm a big Alex Grinch fan. He's a mean one, Mr. Grinch. <laughs> they did give up a ton of points to Houston, and Houston rage quit and couldn't do that against anybody else. <laughs> yeah, so. do you see, see Eric King as redshirting this year? I don't like understand he, that. Like he's he's not hurt. He's just like 
eh, you know what? Houston sucks this year. I'll take the year off. <laughs> well, I saw I saw. there's a bunch of athletes doing that now. There's a couple guys for A&M that one of them got benched, and he's like, I'm retreating this season, and people are speculating that if somebody does something like that, it's because they're leaving the school. So when I heard that yeah. Derek King was going to redshirt, everybody's like, he should go to LSU, be the next Joe Burrow there. I think it's – Joe, Le- Joe Burrow a senior? Yeah, because oh, he was uh, a, a grad transfer, I think, from Ohio State. Yeah. It's the uh, Le'Veon Bell strategy, and it seemed to work out pretty well for him, so why not? <laughs> I just don't want them to do the Antonio Brown strategy where they lose their mind and don't get paid. That'd be rough. Uh. You see, he filed nine separate grievances against the NFL. I didn't see the number, but I saw. Well, I saw the number of dollars he's asking for: sixty-six million. Ugh. All right, so, um, I lost my transition, but uh, games this week, yay! We have games this week. Um, so let's start off the picking round. So UCF at Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati, sadly, is not painting their field to that crazy design that's on uh, RCFB right now. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. It looked fucking insane. Uh, UCF is a tough team. They're still ranked 15 despite a loss to Pitt. And since he's not a bad team at all, it should be a close matchup. I'm picking UCF personally just because I have faith in the Golden Knights, knowing that Cincinnati's not going to paint their field. Artem, who do you got in this matchup? I've got UCF in this one, too. They've had a pretty consistent uh, win streak against most teams, except Pitt, apparently. So uh, I've had a couple crappy picking weeks, so I'm just going to go with uh, UCF since they're more likely to win. Okay, Andrew, who you got? I am all aboard that Luke Fickle and the Cincinnati Bearcats train, baby. Toot toot! Are you serious right now? Absolutely. I don't think UCF like anybody who can play defense, and I think Cincinnati plays really good defense outside of their game to Ohio State. We'll ignore that one for a minute. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Fickle's done a great job at Cincinnati. I really like Ritter quarterback. I like they've been able to do. They've been able to shut down some decent offense, especially in Marshall, and you know they really got UCLA to turn the ball over a lot. But I just I like their chances at home against a UCF team that you know struggled against Pitt and, and isn't really it may not be the UCF that we're kind of used to. All right, well I'm curious to see how this turns out. I mean, the betters have it very close. I think they've got UCF as a two and a half point favorite, so it'll definitely be an interesting game to watch. Uh, next up on the list, a high-ranked team uh, versus another high-ranked team, Iowa at Michigan. So the last time Michigan played a ranked team, it didn't work out so well for them. They kind of got destroyed by Wisconsin. Granted, that was on the road. So Iowa comes into the big house and is looking for an upset. I am taking Iowa because I dislike Michigan. I didn't like what I saw against Wisconsin. I think Iowa plays very similar style. Granted, their talent level might not be as high, but I think Michigan hasn't shown me anything to get excited about, so I'm going to go with Iowa. Uh, Andrew, who do you got in this matchup? I'm going to agree with you. Uh, I like Iowa's defense a lot. I think they're really talented, and they get a lot of stops. 
Uh, Nate Stanley, the Iowa quarterback, has yet to throw an interception, which means he's going to throw one because I jinxed him. Sorry about that, Nate. But, yeah, I, I think you're hitting on Iowa's a team a lot like Wisconsin. They want to run the ball. They want to pound it. They want to control it and play good defense. And I think they're going to be able to do that against a Michigan team that's that's kind of reeling. You know, we saw them struggle against Army and, and then lose to Wisconsin. I mean, they blow out a Rutgers team, but – we all know Rutgers isn't any good. They just fired Chris Ash. So I think I'm going to pick the Hawkeyes. And, and I think low-key that Wisconsin-Iowa matchup later in the year is probably going to be the one that decides the West. All right. Artem, who do you got in this matchup? I'm going to triple down. I'm going to go Iowa on this one as well. Um, they're not giving up a lot of points, even though they're not playing any anybody super unique. You know, they also played Rutgers and kept them 30-0, to zero, but – I'm sure they had more ball control in that game than uh, Michigan did. And uh, they, they showed us they could play on the road and win the game when they beat uh, Iowa State, who was pretty hyped at the beginning of the season um, at Iowa State. So I think they take this one close. All right, then. Next up on the list, TCU goes on the road against Iowa State. So as, in, as Artem just pointed out, Iowa State started off the year pretty hyped up. And they recently lost to Baylor. It was kind of a rough situation for them. TCU, on the other hand, has gone pretty smoothly aside from one loss, which was against SMU. So I think both these teams are kind of looking to prove themselves and kind of get into that bowl positioning uh, down the line. Uh, I am taking TCU. I've I've been thwarted by Iowa State too many times. I've been hurt. It hurts down in my soul. I can't go with Iowa State anymore. I'm going TCU. Artem, who you got in this matchup? I'm going to go with TCU as well. I think they're running the ball really well. And uh, with the defense that they run, I think it's going to be difficult for Iowa State to get a lot of possessions and win because TCU can keep the ball away and then play good defense and keep you to a couple three and outs. And I think if they do that early, they'll be able to get ahead in the game and get um, put their defense in really advantageous situations where they don't have to take risky um, – they don't have to call risky plays and they'll essentially be able to stop Iowa State and keep them to fewer points. Like you said, they already lost to Baylor and Iowa. I think TCU is at a higher uh, motivational state right now too. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give out uh, our results on the year so far because I forgot to do that before we started the segment. But uh, before that, Andrew, who do you got in this matchup? Uh, I think I'm going to have to agree with with you all on TCU. I think Artem hit it on the head. They're really good defensively, the SMU game notwithstanding. And as you said, Iowa State just has kind of screwed me along the way. You know, they lost to Baylor last week, a Baylor team that we think is mediocre at best. So I, I think TCU is, as Artem said, going to be able to play good defense, establish the run, and, and really kind of control this game. Am I dead? No. I was just looking up the stats for our picks so far. So on the year, I'm on top right now with 34 of 50 picks. I'm sitting at 68%. Andrew's got 31 of 48 picks. He's sitting at 65, and Artem is the low man on the totem pole with, you keep making extra picks, so it's kind of hard to keep track. I think you're at 26 of 57 picks right now. Right under 50%. (laughs) Yeah, okay, let's go with that. All right. So I want to point that out as we get into the slightly more difficult picks. 
And next up on the list, Tulane at Army. So I don't think a lot of people expected this to be a difficult pick to start off the year, but Tulane's gone on to prove that they're a pretty tough team, and Army, if y'all weren't paying attention, they had a nine-win season last year, and they were a team that nearly beat Michigan, if not for a missed field goal uh, this year. So uh, both of these are very talented teams. I think uh, currently... It's going off at two and a half points going Army's way. So clearly expect this to be a very close matchup. Uh, I'm picking Army. Uh, usually in a close matchup, you got to go with the home team. So I'm picking uh, Army. Oh, I'm sorry. It's going three points two lanes way. Well, regardless, I'm still picking Army. Uh, you got to go with the home team in these matchup situations. Um, and with that in mind, Andrew, who do you got in this matchup? So this is low-key my game of the week i'm really excited for this game tulane surprised us at three and one and armies you know kind of built on the success they had last year willie fritz that coach at armies or at, at tulane is a guy that has had has run a lot of option-based offenses he had bob de best for a long time he did it when he was at georgia southern he did it when he first got to tulane one of the things he did is he hired a new offensive coordinator this year to try to get away from a lot of the heavy option stuff. And so it'll be really interesting to see how he matches up against a team like Army that is very much an option team. Even, you know, Tulane is averaging 273 yards a game on the ground, Army 293. I think this is going to be a really fast game because both teams are going to want to run the ball. I'm going to have to go with Army just because, like you said, they're at home. I've got a little more faith in them. And I still am angry with really Fritz for firing his offensive coordinator. Fair enough. That's a lot of information on this game for those who are interested. I think it'll be a close one. And it it's should a be low-key ex- game of the week. Artem, who do you got? We got Army in this one. Same reasoning, kind of like TCU. Uh, I think Army's not allowing as many yards on the ground or through the year as Tulane is. They got a, a little bit of a better defense, and uh, it's at home, so uh, our military wakes up early. They'll probably be up at like 2, 3 in the morning, while uh, by the time Tulane runs out of bed, um, it's going to be second half. So, go Army. All right, and next up on the list, Baylor going on the road to Kansas State. Uh, Baylor coming off an emotional win last week against uh, Iowa State, and Kansas State, another one of those teams that we always talk about, low-key out to win eight games every year. Uh, not They kind of struggled last week, but uh, who knows? It, it's Any week could be their week. So personally, I'm picking Baylor. They impressed me with their win last week. They were very gutty, and they kind of showed some resolve to go out and win a game. But uh, that's my pick right now. I'm probably going to regret it, but Artem, who you got in this matchup? Oh, man, I'm a little bit torn. Um, Baylor's really good through the air, but Kansas State's also really good at defending the air game. They're only allowing 127 yards per game through the air right now, which is why Chubba Hubbard was able to run for a freaking insane amount um, on them last week, and Oklahoma State won because of that. Um, It's a little bit tough, uh, but I think I'm going to go with Baylor on this one. It's only a two-point spread. Uh, Baylor hasn't lost in a while, and uh, they're on a big streak. They, you know, they got a lot of guys that have been there. For, this is their third year uh, together with that coach. 
Um, and I think this is the, the big year where they uh, try to win as many games as possible and kind of get back to the Baylor of four or five years ago before the rape scandal. I also forgot to mention, didn't their coach just get like a big extension, like a five-year extension or something? I don't know if I've seen that because there was talk about him going to the NFL last year, so that'd be big. Anyway, Andrew, who do you got in this matchup? I think I'm going to... I'm going to go with Baylor. I like what Matt Rule's done. And I think you're right. He did just got a some kind of contract extension that impacted his buyout. I like Baylor. They play good defense, which is a big deal in the Big 12 because not a lot of teams play good to decent defense. And I think that, that they're just going to be able to stop Kansas State on the ground, which is what Kansas State really wants to do. So, again, I think I think Baylor's going to win it. And we're going to have to step back and go, oh, my God, Baylor's 5-0. and a scary proposition, uh, them being good in the Big 12. Who knows what that means? Uh, next up, the first battle of the Commander-in-Chief trophy, Air Force going on the road to Navy. Air Force is pretty heavily favored in this matchup, but uh, it's a rivalry game. It's a uh, military game. You never know how these things are going to play out. Uh, personally, I am going to follow the curve. I'm going to stick with Air Force. I don't really have a particular reason for that. I just, I've liked what I've seen out of that team so far this year. Andrew, who do you have in this matchup? Oh, man. This is tough because I love both of them so deeply as if they were my own children. I think I'm going to have to side with you. I think Air Force has just shown me more this year. Navy's still kind of digging out of a bit of a rut. They had a tough season last year. I think they still struggled. You know, they struggled against a pretty decent Memphis team. And I just think that Air Force is a team that's, a little bit on a more high. They they play a little bit better defense, and I think they're going to be able to control the clock again. This is this is a game that might take two hours, just because both teams really really want to just run the ball and run the ball again and keep running the ball some more. Yeah, the MLB wishes they could get games like that. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Artem, who do you got in this matchup? We got Air Force in this one, too, and you guys kind of hit the nail on the head. I just think if Air Force falls behind in this game, they have a lot bigger chance of coming back. They've thrown the ball quite a bit more, and they're able to continue throwing it, whereas uh, Navy becomes a little bit more one-dimensional if they fall behind, and they seem to be not getting early head starts in the games they're playing, so I got Air Force in this one. All right, next up on the list, uh, two teams that we are kind of confused as to where exactly they stand. Pitt, because one week they'll win against UCF, and then the next week they'll struggle against Delaware. And Duke, because the only team they've really played was Virginia Tech. Uh, And, of course, a humiliating loss against Alabama. But who didn't see that coming? So Pitt at Duke, uh, two teams where... We're not really sure where they stand. Two teams are looking to prove themselves. I'm going to go with Duke. I think in general they tend to be more consistent. They're at home. I don't have any reason not to trust them. And with Pitt, I'm never sure what exactly I'm going to get. So I'm going to take Duke in this matchup. Uh, with that said, I this could go either way in my mind. Um, Artem, who do you got in this matchup? I'm going to go with Duke on this one uh, for two reasons. One, Pitt is 
allowing more points per game on average than they're scoring. To they're scoring 19 points per game, but allowing 21 points per game. Um, which I don't know how that's even calculated. That's ridiculous. But uh, it looks like uh, Quentin Harris. Uh, you know, he's a transfer. He came to Duke. And he's a, a lot more efficient in what he's doing. He does have the two turnovers, but he's also got uh, 10 touchdowns, and his um, he's passing a lot more accurate than the, the Pitt quarterback. Also, Pitt seems to have one favorite target, whereas uh, Quentin Harris is spreading it out a little bit more. So I'm going to pick Duke with uh, Quentin Harris as the, the factor why they're going to win. All right. Andrew, do you agree with Artem? Uh, this game just, you know, Pitt makes no sense to me. 16-point loss to Virginia, a 10-point win over Ohio, a 7-point loss to Penn State, a 1-point win over UCF, a 3-point win over Delaware. Like, what the hell, Pitt? Either be good or be bad. Stop this back-and-forth bullshit. You know, and then Duke, yeah, you got blown out by Alabama, and then you beat three pretty bad teams. So we don't really know anything about you either. So I don't really like Pitt. I don't really like Duke. Um, I guess I'm going to pick Duke because they're at home. As good a reason as any, I suppose. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I trust Quinn Harris more than I trust Kenny Pickett. If Kenny Pickett's even healthy, I don't believe he played against Delaware. Uh, I mean, I don't know. That's that's another good question. Well, did he not play because they didn't think they'd need him, or did he not play because he was injured? Who I think knows? he was hurt. Oh, so he was injured. Okay, never mind. All right. Well, speaking of hurt, uh, we've got a Northwestern team going on the road to Nebraska. Uh, Nebraska's favored by seven points. Um, Based on the number of injuries on Northwestern, uh, some of us feel that that is a little bit of a low spread. I I have a tough time with Nebraska because every time I pick them, I feel like they get upset. So, yeah, of course I'm going to pick them right now, and they're probably going to get upset. But we'll see what happens. Uh, I guess, I mean, Nebraska makes as much sense as anything in this in this circumstance. It's going to be a weird week. Uh, Andrew, who do you got in this matchup? I'm kind of in the same boat as you, but the opposite. Every time I pick Northwestern, they fuck me. Um, but everyone's hurt. I, I don't think either team's really good. But I think being at home will benefit Nebraska. I mean, you look at their schedules, Northwestern's only win is over a bad UNLV team, and Nebraska beat a bad South Alabama, a bad Northern Illinois, and a bad Illinois. They're the champions of Illinois. Actually, hold on. If they beat Northwestern, they will be 3-0 against the state of Illinois. So I think I'm going to have to pick Nebraska on this, just because no one likes the state of Illinois. So you're just saying that they they are undefeated against the state of Illinois, therefore they should beat every team from the state of Illinois. Exactly. They'll just keep that anti-hate Illinois fever going. It's a fair point. Uh, Artem, do you have uh, perhaps more logic behind your pick? No, that's perfect reasoning enough for me, Nebraska. <laughs> well, I'm glad we're all in agreement here. Okay. Next up, uh, because apparently the only... <laughs> Apparently, we're going to agree on almost all of our picks this week. Uh, we got to have personal picks to spread this the love around a little bit. So I guess I'm going to start off with my personal pick. I've got 
in the game of who is worse, I got UCLA uh, going on the road and beating Oregon State. Uh, I believe it's on the road. Sorry if I'm wrong on that. Uh, UCLA hasn't given us much to talk about other than possibly the best game of the year when they came back to beat Washington State. Um, but Oregon State is just bad enough. Uh, Oregon State is just bad enough to uh, give UCLA an easy win over them right now. So we'll see how that plays out. I'm picking UCLA. It'll it'll definitely be a craptastic matchup of two terrible teams. I'm um, I'm hoping for a shit show. Um, next up on the list, Artem, who is your personal pick? I got two, so I you know overdoing it as usual. Um, one of them is going to be Vanderbilt over Ole Miss in the shit bowl of the SEC, and then I'm going to go Oregon over Cal at home. I know Oregon is looks like very heavily favored, but I don't know where that's coming from. Really, it's a really good Cal team this season, with their only loss coming at ASU, who you know we as a group really like. So. Um, I don't think it's as easy as the spread is showing it is. I think it's going to be a lot closer game, but I think Oregon has the upper hand with their offense. So, yeah, Vanderbilt over Ole Miss and uh, Oregon over Cal. It's fascinating because Andrew and I were actually talking about that matchup and why was Oregon so heavily favored right before the, uh, the cast started. So, yeah, that's kind of an interesting one to bring up. Uh, Andrew, what are your picks for this week? Uh, I'm going to talk about the Pac-12 Network game of the week that no one will get to watch because no one has the Pac-12 Network. And that is the 3-1 Arizona Wildcats. It's 3-1 Colorado Buffaloes. Buffalo? Buffaloes? I don't know if that's plural or not. No, it's Buffalo. You know, Arizona only losses to Hawaii. Uh, They beat Texas Tech and they beat UCLA. So that's, you know, two pretty good. Uh, Colorado's only losses to Air Force in overtime. They are coming off a win of a ranked Arizona State team. They were way more firm than Herm. So I, I think I think we pick the Buffaloes. I think Mel Tucker's done a good job there. He's first year head coach. Steven, the quarterback is you know taking care of the ball. He's only got two interceptions and four. The fascinating one to me is I, I'm pretty sure Levitska Chenault is hurt, which if you remember was what I explained is the only reason to watch Colorado football. So given that he's hurt, I got to give you a new reason. And I think it's that the Buffaloes are apparently putting together a pretty decent season. Will they win the Pac-12 South? Absolutely not. Will they make a bowl game? I can see it. I'm kind of interested now in that, that you bring that matchup up. And I mean, both teams have been overly successful compared to where we thought they'd be, certainly. So that'll be another fun game to watch. All right. With that with that out of the way, we move on to our personal matchup of the week, or our top matchup of the week. Auburn going on the road to Florida in the swamp. Uh, obviously, we just talked about how successful Auburn's been to start off the year. Florida's also had a pretty good start. They're both highly ranked teams. Uh potentially chasing a playoff if they can get over the humps that are Alabama and Georgia. Who knows? It could be. Uh, and, of course, Malzahn looking to continually prove that he deserves to be paid what he's getting paid. Uh, it's working so far. So I'm 
I always hate broadcasting this because it makes me feel bad, but I'm picking Auburn. I mean, it just makes sense. Uh, Auburn's a really good team. After what they did to Texas A&M, it's kind of hard to argue. I think they're a very quality team, and I do think that they should run over most of their opponents. I think there's two that I've got questioned in my mind, but other than that, I think they should pretty much run over all of their opponents. So I'm picking Auburn in this matchup. All right, Andrew, who do you got? I think the defenses in this game are going to be really important. They're, they're both playing really well defensively. Uh, Florida, especially Florida's giving up under 300 yards per game and under 10 points. Now, to be fair, they've played Miami, Tennessee, Martin, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Towson. And Kentucky is probably the only team there that we think is pretty good. Miami we think is mediocre at best. Whereas Auburn has played some pretty good teams in Texas A&M, Oregon, a Tulane team that's 3-1 and one that's kind of come, and a Mississippi State team that we think you know will probably make a bowl game and be pretty good. They're, they're having a bit of a, a quarterback shuffle, obviously Bo Nix being the main starter, but they are designing packages for Joey Gatewood and playing him a little bit, so it's interesting to see what Malzahn's able to do with that. Obviously, they want to get the run going, going with Jatarvius Whitlow, and, you know, my offensive linemen's Prince Tangawongo and Broderius Ham. I I think Florida's going to win it. I just think that they're too good offensive, and they're, they're going to show – or Auburn – well, Auburn is going to win it. I am dumb because they're too good defensively or offensively and defensively. And Florida really hasn't played a team as good as Auburn. So they're really kind of, I think, going to get punched in the mouth a little bit. The saving grace is I really hope both these teams beat Georgia later in the year, and then I'll be fans of them. All right, Artem, if you pick Auburn, we'll have all the same picks for our normal picks, except for Andrew, who picked Cincinnati, way back at the beginning of this cast. Bearcats, Bearcats, so, Bearcats. So, Artem, are you going to side with everyone else and jump off the bridge and pick Auburn, or are you going to surprise us? Lucky you, I was absolutely going to do that, and I was going to correct you. It's not about what they did to Texas A&M, it's about what they did to Mississippi State last week is what... Uh, it was real crazy. They put up 56 on them, and that game should not have been 56-23. to 23. So I think they're going to do about the same to Florida. I think the big key in this game is going to be uh, whichever team is win- wins the game is going to be the team that didn't have to rely on their quarterback to win. They're both playing with uh, either Bo Nix is a true freshman playing for Auburn. So when they played uh, Texas A&M, all they did was he was pretty much ball handling. He wasn't throwing it a lot. I think he only threw the ball like 15 times. Um similar against uh, Mississippi State. And then uh, Florida lost Felipe Franks for the season, so they're relying on Kyle Trask. Um, Kyle Trask, I think, is going to be pressured more by the Auburn defensive line, and he's going to make some mistakes that will put him in the hole. So I'm going to go with Auburn. All right. Well, uh, I mean, well, I don't think our percentages are going to change. I don't think our uh, standings are going to change very much, but who knows? Maybe our percentages will drop a lot. We'll find out. Anyway, uh, thanks as always to our listeners for tuning in. Uh, That's going to be it for this week, uh, but thanks as always, and we'll see you again next time. Y'all have a great rest of your week. Andrew and Artem, thanks again for joining me. And to everybody, uh, stay safe and happy out there. Uh, And good luck to all your football teams. And I need to think of better closings to this item. Goodbye, everybody. Stay stay classy, Georgia Tech. Or North Carolina. Where you at? And and go fuck yourself, San Diego. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.